Hi there, and thanks for tuning in to the Four-Eyed Radio Network. You're about to listen to another proud presentation brought to you by Revenge Lover Designs. Stand out from the crowd. For more information, visit revengelover.com and mention the podcast for 10% off of your order. Today on Ranger Command Power Hour. All right, let me read you this press release. Okay. When every era and every world was at risk, the largest team of Power Rangers ever was assembled to confront the terrifying forces of Lord Draken. Now, one of the largest teams of Power Ranger actors will assemble for Shattered Grid live, a live table read of the most thrilling scenes from the Boom Studios mega event, featuring Aaron Cahill, Walter Jones, Barbara Goodson, David J. Fielding, Jason Narvey, Paul Schreier, Kelson Henderson, Peter Sodarso, Megan Camarina, this once-in-a-lifetime panel will be moderated by Shatter Grid writer Kyle Higgins and will showcase artwork from the comic, as well as new music from legendary Mighty Morphin Power Rangers composer Ron Wasserman. Come be a part of Power Rangers history as Rangers from across generations unite to save existence. Oh, oh that sounds awesome. Panels of the comic will be on the big screens as they're reading along. That's so awesome. And f***ing new music by Ron Wasserman. That part, yeah, that's that's wicked. And that was developed because of their relationship on his Shatter Grid short. That is definitely going to be one of those panels that I will not miss. It's going to be f***ing awesome. Yeah. And then he asked me, he's like, well, will it go over well with fans? And I'm like... <laughs> I'm like, dude, come on. <laughs> like, I'm sitting here with a half chub. It's going to go over f- great with fans, okay? <laughs> I kind of want to put that into this episode. <laughs> I'm sitting here with a half chub. It's going to be great with fans. <laughs> like, I... <laughs> And now on Ranger Command Power Hour. Ay 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 ay! It's the Ranger Command Power Hour. Today on the Power Hour, episode 122, Ranger Nation interview, Kyle Higgins, recorded on August 6th, 2018. Welcome to the Ranger Command Power Hour on the Four Eyed Radio Network. Some Ranger up with your hosts. I'm Eric, also known as Trekkie B47. And I'm Zach, also known as Hollywood. Today we are interviewing Kyle Higgins, best known in Ranger Nation as the writer for Boom Studios' Mighty Morphin Power Rangers comic series. His other comic works include Cal, The Dead Hand, Nightwing, and Batman Eternal, to name a few. He's also a director who's worked on The League, The Shadow Hours, and the live-action Shattered Grid trailer. Welcome to Ranger Command Power Hour, Kyle. Hey, thanks for having me, guys. Yeah, Happy for to sure. have you, man. I think it's a little weird that your moniker is Hollywood, and I think <laughs> I'm the only one of the three of us that are living in Hollywood. <laughs> True. I used to live near Hollywood. I lived in uh, Santa Clarita, which is like Hollywood light. Yeah, and, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but because I was from I mean, California, when I, when I moved out here to Chicago, 
uh, all my Chicago friends like, "Oh, you're from you're from Hollywood, uh, oh, Hollywood," and it did just kind of one of those stupid nicknames that stuck. So right, Santa Clarita is near Hollywood if you don't live in LA. <laughs> they don't need to know the logistics of it. Just <laughs> yeah, that's like a solid like hour. Uh, yeah, to it is without it, traffic. It's yeah, it's like an hour to, to Hollywood from Santa Clarita. But I mean, there, yeah. there's so much production going on in Santa Clarita. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, because you have huge studio presence. I mean, Power Rangers filmed in Santa Clarita, so. Mm-hmm. So how did you end up out in Chicago? Long story short, my mom works for United Airlines, and when they went through a uh, furlough process, they shut down the office she worked at in Burbank, and they mm-hmm. gave two options. They said, "Well, you can go to uh, Hawaii." where cost of living is, you know, $6 for a gallon of milk, or you could go to Chicago. And she said, well, I'm just going to go to Chicago, because I was actually born in Aurora, Illinois, and then moved out to California because... Oh, no Fun fact, when I was three years old... (laughs) I know Eric wanted to listen to I was going to bring it up if you weren't. (laughs) Uh, I know you were. Uh, When I was three years old, I was in the film Parenthood, starring Steve Martin, uh, directed by Ron Howard... Oh, I know the movie, yeah. Okay, so there you go. Uh, the oh, the wow. Naked Cowboy, that's me. Oh, wow, that's crazy. So, so what, I, where, in, where in Chicago are you then? Uh, so I'm, I'm back in Aurora, of all places, which is really just bizarre. Um, yeah, yeah, my, one of my best friends lives in Aurora. Oh. Um, it's like, oh, you're busy today, well, how about tomorrow? Well, I'll pick you up. Well, how about you could just, you know, here's five different plans. If that, you know, why, why wouldn't none of these work for you? Like, no, you're coming out here. Like, that's the <laughs> bottom line, you're coming out here. So then I go. And uh, actually, my sister lives pretty close to Aurora, and I've got family in Naperville as well. So See, there um, you go. We're, mm-hmm. we're making that connection already. I like it. <laughs> also, I love, also, I love you, Jana, if you're listening to this. <laughs> Which she should be, because you told her to. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's, yeah, so if she's not, then I'm going to be upset with her. There you go. Spin the tables on that one. There you go. I actually had my recorder drop there for a second, so I had to restart, but I think I got most of that. Okay. You know what? It's better for everyone that the recorder cut out. It's just, it's, no one, no one's tuning into this podcast. Well, hey now. To hear us about... BS about <laughs> in the Chicago suburbs. Yeah, yeah you gotta let him finish the sentence. Eric. Oh, sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so speaking of Power Ranger comics, first of all, we had many awesome listener-submitted questions, and mm-hmm. that's how we kind of do these interviews. Like, we let our listeners, Ranger Nation, have an opportunity to ask guests questions. and oh, That's dangerous. It is, and that's why I filter them. <laughs> <laughs> so uh just uh, for people that that may not be aware what's a little bit of your history with power rangers did you grow up with the show watching it uh yeah i you know i was like eight when day of the dumpster first premiered eric we've spoken about this before yeah. so please remind me um i don't think day of the dumpster aired first in the u.s because i feel like the first episode i saw were, Eric, I know you're in Chicago too. Did you yeah. grow up there? No, I actually grew up in uh, Atlanta. I was born okay. in Atlanta, and then I moved up when I was 11. So Power Rangers aired when I first moved up here. So I was a oh, new cool. kid, and that's why I connected with Tommy. It first aired when you moved up to Chicago? Yeah, so I moved into Chicago the summer of 93, and... Mm-hmm school started up i was the new kid i had nothing to connect to and then when power rangers came on 
everyone was talking about it and suddenly I could awesome. make friends. So then do you remember what the first episode of air was? Because I thought it was food fight. I thought like, that's the first episode I ever saw. And my sister and I watched it on Saturday morning. And then mm-hmm. the next, we had no idea what, what this thing was. Like, what the fuck was that? And then the next week at school, everyone was talking about it. So anyway, so yeah, so I saw that episode and then I was a fan very quickly. Um, mm-hmm. And, and the thing that people that are younger probably don't, really understand is that we didn't have anything like we have now on the air Mm -hmm. we didn't have this huge proliferation of superhero material like we do now so growing up we had like bill bixby hulk reruns we had (laughs) random episodes of the toey spider-man show for all from the 70s and then those were all runs on sci-fi channel and then we had x-men the animated series and batman the animated series and reruns of the adam west show and like Mm -hmm. that was it that was it so when something like this popped up, it was like, holy cow, like, because mm-hmm. it speaks to all of the same kind of mechanics of superhero storytelling that I love in comics and in superhero material that I was a big fan of growing up. Mm-hmm. But it was on a weekly basis. And, you know, you remember it differently than it really was. Yeah. So, yeah. So I was a fan very early on. And then I watched the whole first season I probably didn't see every episode because it was on five days a week and most of the time it was reruns they would air. So you had no sense of when stuff was taking place. And then I was out at uh, House on Starved Rock for like a family vacation in the summer in August of like the next year. And I had set the VCR to record an episode of Power Rangers that was on it like in prime time randomly. It was like, what the hell? Like it was going to be on while we were gone. So I set... I set the VCR to record it just out of curiosity. And while we were at on this trip at House of Starved Rock, we ended up at a Target, and they had the Dragon Dagger, the, the Power Blaster, and some new Red Dragon Zord. I was like, oh, I must have missed this on the show. Like, I don't know what this is. <laughs> so we bought it because, it, it, you know, like to find a Dragon Dagger was like, holy shit, at that mm-hmm. time because they were so impossible to get hold of. And drove home like that night, and I checked the VCR and it was the mutant part one. Like, that's what it aired. So all of a sudden, it's like massive status quo change. And so I watched like the, the first half of that season two up through like the white light. Mm-hmm. And then I kind of petered out after that. And it became very unpopular in my school that year. So um. I already was getting made fun of enough uh, for, <laughs> for other things that I didn't need to like add on top of it. You know, they, they, already, they had enough material. They sure. didn't need more. Uh, <laughs> they didn't need more inspiration. But I always kind of kept an eye on it from afar, like mm-hmm. what was going on, or oh, they they're updating to Zeo, like oh that's crazy, or oh now they're going into outer space, okay, uh, you know stuff like that. And then over the years, I remember like back in '08 or '07 when I was in college, uh, making my superhero film, ending up down a rabbit hole of interviews on YouTube with actors from the show. I think it was all stuff from like the first Power Morphicon in 07. Mm-hmm. And like just curious about like, well, whatever happened to so-and-so, you know, stuff like that. And then when I started writing professionally in like 2009, 2010 and doing conventions, I would see a lot of people cosplaying as Power Rangers and fans would come up to me like for Batman books that I was doing like to sign and they would be like my age and, and still very much into Power Rangers. And it kind of just re-sparked my 
I wouldn't necessarily say interest, but mm-hmm. I realized like, oh, there's still a very devoted fan base to this. And I was intrigued by it. And so then the opportunity came up to basically pitch for the book. And so I figured I'd take it. Yeah, that's actually what Long's Toys at C-Long 83 asked. He said, how did the comics come about? Did you approach them? Did they approach you? And is this something that you've always wanted to do? In 2011, when I was writing Nightwing for the New 52, I've told the story a million times before, so forgive me, but I was on G-Chat with Bryce Carlson, who's a managing editor. At the time, he was a managing editor at Boom. Now he's like VP of Publishing or something. He's got a, he's got a fancy, mm-hmm. awesome title. Um, <laughs> and we were chatting about just different... Because he and I went to college together, but we didn't know each other until after college. Mm-hmm. And so we were just friends. And I remember telling him, like, dude, you know what would be sick is doing a modern-day kind of updated take on Power Rangers in a more serious tone, taking advantage of his concept, like making it a true like teenage superhero book. And he's like, it's funny you say that. He's like, we've been talking about that internally, like uh, at Boom. I was like, oh, that would be so awesome. And then six months later, Paper Cuts announced that they had acquired the license. <laughs> right. <laughs> and so I was like, oh, well, that's kind of a, okay, well, that's a bummer, but that would have been cool. Fast forward a couple years and it was like this time three years ago, mm-hmm. you know, maybe a month earlier, for, for right before San Diego Comic-Con, yep. Boom puts out this press release that they acquired the license to do comics. And they had these gorgeous covers by oh. Goni, Montes, right? Yes. And I saw those and I went, yeah, like I, they get it. They know what they, <laughs> they, this is exactly what this book could be. Really like slick, really polished kind of, I don't want to say indie, but, but right. in a, it looked modern. Goni's mm-hmm. images looked modern. It, it didn't look like some shitty DC comic with like over-rendered colors and like cut and grads from the 90s. You know, it looked right. contemporary. So I was like, that's exactly what I, yes, I immediately emailed Bryce and I was like, hey, who do I have to kill to write a pitch for a backup? Hopefully not you, you know? And, <laughs> and he wrote back and he was like, actually, we're still looking for a main writer and your Ooh. name come up like would you be interested and i was about to go shoot my film the shadow hours and i was pretty much done at dc i was working on hadrian's wall and i had like a little like week and a half window Mm -hmm. and i was going on a vacation with my family to wisconsin and i was like you know what i've got a little time i was like i'll put together a pitch and we'll see where it goes and i basically started watching old episodes and realizing like oh yeah the show that i remember is not really the show that existed it's kind of like a couple of years ago i got vr troopers on dvd and when i watched yeah. it, i was like wow this did not hold up at all <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's funny i met uh sarah brown's a friend of mine and i met her back in like 2010 mm-hmm. snowboarding in mammoth and <laughs> this was like i was just starting to like write full time and I don't know how it came up. We were like a bunch of us were in a bar and she said something, uh, something about, Oh, I, I said that I did Captain America and some Avenger stuff. And she's like, Oh, you like superheroes. She's like, I was a superhero. I was on this show, like VR Trooper. I was like, I know VR Trooper. That's you. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway. So, so yeah. So I was watching old episodes, trying to figure out like, what's my way into this. Cause I, mm-hmm. I'm sick of origin stories. I don't want to do a new origin. Mm. I just want to jump into the series and I happened to watch, I watched the end of Green with Evil, and then I watched the very next episode. And is the very next episode Shell Shock? I don't remember. But, like, Tommy's all of a sudden a full member of the team. <laughs> right. And I was like, oh, 
that's weird. And all of a sudden, the whole thing on for me. It was like, mm. oh, yeah, I know exactly how to do this. We do it like the Manchurian Candidate and deal with the emotional fallout of the things that he did, very Winter Soldier-esque. And then from there, like the team getting used to him being a member of the team. Is he still seeing Rita? Is it actually her? You know, and mm-hmm. then I started building out the arc for the first year from that. Um, so it was a very clear focus on here's me using all of my superhero storytelling muscles that I've developed over, you know, at that point, probably seven years, six years, five years, something like that. Mm-hmm. And here's how I would do it. And if that interests you guys, awesome. If it doesn't, then I'm not the right person for this book and no harm, no foul. And what's funny is all this is going on and I turn in the pitch and then I am, and I immediately forget about it. And I go back to prepping my film and I was in between shoot days and Daphna called me. I think I did a round of notes right before I shot. Mm-hmm. And then I was in between shoot days and it was a crazy shoot. And it was on an off day, and she called me with, like, one last round of notes. And I was like, I'm set again tomorrow. I've got two more days to shoot. I can get to this, like, right after. And then I basically was like, but what's the deal here? Like, I'm not going to do another round. This is it. Is it my book or not? And she's like, well, you know, this is the last round. If, if they allow us, then it's your book. And I was like, okay. I was like, because I'm not, like, not going to do more rounds on a bake-off, basically. And so then they approved it. They were all into it, and we kind of got the ball the ball rolling from there. Was Draken ever included in that original pitch? No, no, no. What it was, well, not necessarily in the form that he kind of turned out to be. What was included was the idea for three arcs, and mm-hmm. Boom likes to do four-issue trades. So I figured I would structure it. And we didn't know we were going to do one-shots in between at that point, which started throwing off the numbering. Mm-hmm. But the idea was the first arc teed up the big villain, which then was the second arc, which was going to be the Black Dragon. And then and the twist at the end of the second arc was that the Black Dragon was actually a Zord from another dimension. And then the third arc, it was going to be revealed that it wasn't another dimension. It was actually an alternate future. And in that alternate future the main villain was no, you know what? That wasn't in the initial pitch Uh, around the time I was writing issue like one or two, Mm -hmm. I pitched to Daphna on the phone that the twist at the end of the second arc leading into the third arc was going to be that the person behind all this was actually uh, the white ranger. And it was going to be a straight up evil white ranger in this other timeline. Mm hmm. So it's it still played with everything that I had already pitched and, and had built, but it was an extra wrinkle that put a finer point on what the whole point of the third arc was supposed to be and why I constructed it this way, which was that if the fir- whole first year of 12 issues was designed to be Green Ranger year one, and it's mm-hmm. Tommy's introduction to the team and the team's introduction to Tommy, the final kind of gauntlet for him to go through needed to be or I wanted it to be a, a dark mirror kind of cautionary tale story. Mm. So facing a version of himself that never turned good was, again, superhero storytelling muscles. Right. Like, it's a conceit of superhero comics, alternate versions, alternate timelines, alternate futures, things like that. And I was like, f*** 
it. Like, Power Rangers has never had anything like this before. Like, mm-hmm. let's lean into it. Now, if I were writing Batman, I probably wouldn't construct or build a story like that. We've seen that kind of stuff before, and it just kind of feels like low-hanging fruit. But with right. Power Rangers, I felt like I could do my version of Terminator. I could do my version of whatever because the franchise, I wasn't aware of anything that had really been done in that space with the franchise before. And so then we went down that path with the evil white ranger and, and got Saban on board with it. And then barely down the line, it start, notes started to come back that, well, I had to build out the whole backstory for the evil white ranger and that it was right. an evil version of Tommy. And my whole backstory involved him taking uh, the white uh, light power from Jason during the power transfer. Mm. During like the all is lo- like the end battle, the fall of the Rangers battle outside the command center, which is all in the book and everything. Right. And by taking that power and through force of will, he's holding on to it on top of his green ranger power because they were like well what happened to the green ranger i was like he's gotten both but it's you know Mm. so then so then notes started to kind of come down about like when as we were designing the character jamal campbell was designing the character to like could we see the white light and the green ranger power like in conflict and i was like that's gonna look like a jumbled mess you know right so the design started to take shape from that concept and then from there i named him i remember spending a whole day trying to figure out a name and I really liked something involving uh, like draconian um, just mm. because of what the term refers to as far as like law and order, but also Draken, uh, dragon, uh, Draco, you mm. know, Draco Malfoy, the dragon, uh, Draken is where I, that's kind of like my train of thought there. And then I remember t- telling them like, it's, it was going to be D-R-A-K-O-N. And I said like, we could throw an extra K in there if that. <laughs> <laughs> if that helps Saban's all about like can we make it more ownable you know like stuff like that sure. uh, which I get you know mm-hmm. and so then Lord Draken he came about that way so earlier in the comic there was at one point it was revealed that Rita approached Zack first right for that power so was that kind of like to throw people off of this evil ranger or no I had plans for Zach that I wasn't ultimately allowed to do because of things that were happening in the movie. Things that I believe never actually even made it to the movie. Mm. So there was stuff about like what Zach was doing in his off hours mm-hmm. that I ultimately wasn't able to do. So I was looking for something for Zach. And the idea of Zach having the secret and having this offer have been made to him by Rita. And while he rejected it, it did spark. Like, she makes some good points in her right. spiel to him about being more proactive. Just different things that the Rangers could be doing. Mm-hmm. And so that was going to tie into what Zach is doing in his kind of off hours. And I kind of never really had, was never really able to get back to it after mm-hmm. the movie came out. And I was like, well, we could kind of do this stuff now because the movie didn't end up doing it. So that's really where that came from. And also it, it came out of like me thinking about, well, if you're Rita Repulsa, like what would you do? And you have this coin. Mm-hmm. Are you really going to just go like pick a f-ing stranger at school? Like, no, <laughs> like you're going to probably proof this out. You're probably going to get someone to turn first, mm-hmm. someone who may not be fully utilized. Like when Oklahoma City had James Harden, Russell Westbrook and Kevin Durant, James Harden couldn't shine like he was underutilized, you know? 
So that that's where the concept came from. But then beyond that, I've had people ask over the last like year or two, why didn't alternate Zach become Lord Draken? Like that would have been a more interesting choice. And it's like, I get where you're come. I get where people come yeah. from with that. But the first year was not Zach's story. The first year was the whole point of Lord Draken and the alternate timeline was to be this cautionary tale of Tommy as Tommy's getting ingratiated into the team. Mm-hmm. So like that narratively was my focus. So it would make no sense for it to be Zach through that lens that I was approaching it through. Would a version of like Lord Draken and Zach be interesting? Yeah, for sure. But that wasn't my narrative focus. Okay. Noah Bowden wanted to know, how were you able to catch up with Power Rangers continuity beyond Mighty Morphin so fast? I love how you were able to incorporate elements from other seasons. It really shows that you and your crew did your homework. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's a, well, is he talking about for like Shattered Grid? Uh, yeah, it's, it's more of a Shattered Grid question. Oh God, man, that I don't, I still don't know enough. <laughs> like I started by watching all of Lewis's recap videos, Linkara's recap videos. Mm-hmm. So I watched all of those mul- like multiple times. I did watch some specific episodes from each season. Or not each season, but from certain seasons. Sure. Uh, and then it was just a lot of reading. And then Matt Groom and, and Michael Basudel, who I do the Ranger Danger podcast with, Michael in particular helped me a lot with who makes sense here, who can I pull, like what are some interesting connections, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So they're kind of my secret weapon, ace up my sleeve. So, so it was kind of a combination of, of all of that. And then when it really came down to it, people at Saban would give notes or, or stuff like that. So like if there was ever any... Mm-hmm. like specific question you know jason would weigh in or or it, it, you know we just get notes back that it's like well you know mm-hmm. this wouldn't act there's there's one thing in particular i'm thinking of right now but i can't i don't want to say because it it'll spoil something coming up <laughs> okay <laughs> um yeah like i don't care about that stuff to be totally honest like sure my thing is is narrative my thing is is the story so yeah. finding ways to utilize interesting aspects of different seasons like that's cool if i can do that for fans like absolutely i'm going to do that but mm-hmm. there has to be a narrative purpose for it like the the andros and Corone stuff to me oh my god awesome that that is like oh my god yes like that is an aspect mm-hmm. of that's a cool like bug of the time travel elements involving shattered grid that i've immediately pinged on of like oh because i can pull teams from different sections of their timelines because the multiverse is not in coronal sync i can actually do this i could do Andrus before he saved Corone and Corone after Andrus had saved her. And mm-hmm. that was just really emotionally compelling to me. So that's the stuff that I really zero in on. That's the stuff that I'm looking for. Like random Zords or what color yeah. Zord is, like that stuff doesn't really <laughs> matter to me. <laughs> to tie into the Andros and Corone thing, one of my favorite parts of 29 is Kruger and Zordon's commentary on that. And just... Being a huge SPD fan, knowing Kruger's backstory with his failed A-Squad and what right. Zordon's going through, as a fan that knows all these like deep cuts, there's so much more context when you know what's going on as a fan. And even if you're not a deep fan like that, it still works narratively. And right. I think that's what's great about it. Yeah, thanks. That stuff to me, is it's always about proper setup. And, mm-hmm. you know, the, the Corona Andrus thing is a really good example of like, I wanted it to work without 
you having seen other seasons of the show. So mm-hmm. I wanted it to work for readers just inherent within the story that I was telling. And so that meant having to do setup for each character and lay those seeds. And there was setup for Andros in the annual story. And then there was setup for Corone in the top of issue 28 when Jen and Kim find her. And Jen explains like, oh, she used to be astronomer. And this is a different, this is a point in her timeline when she's already been saved. Like, you know, I did that kind of heavy lifting there so that when I bring those two together in issue 29, mm-hmm. you have proper context for the emotional moment to actually be hopefully effective. Oh, it definitely was. <laughs> yeah. And we've heard a bit about what you enjoyed aspects of it and being able to take the emotional, personal relationships of the future and the past and tie them in. Dare Bear at Derek B. Gale asks, is there a particular character from Power Rangers canon that you weren't necessarily a fan of, but then because you wrote them, you grew to really like them and understand their motives and then love them? Uh, no one really jumps out, to be honest. I think in large part it's because... I kind of cheated with Shattered Grid. If you look at the characters that I chose, they were all characters that you can see and understand why I would gravitate towards them. There was something Mm -hmm. about them that was inherently interesting and and was something that the show had created for them. I feel like some characters are better serviced narratively in, in their seasons than others. I tended to gravitate towards the ones that were the most narratively interesting. So there isn't anyone that I could really probably point to as like well i had to use this character and i didn't really you know i don't really care about them but then as i wrote them i i found ways to care like i don't yeah i don't really have anything like that uh well actually (laughs) i say that but (laughs) uh you know what i like the samurai rangers i really liked the character of lauren shiva which is why Mm -hmm. i introduced the samurai rangers but then as i started like writing the samurai rangers just in even just in that intro scene in in issue 26 Mm -hmm. Like, because I knew it was going to be the first team of Rangers we introduced in Shattered Grid that wasn't the Mighty Morphin team, and outside of Time Force appearance as well, I was like, I really want to get this right. So, like, I want to do something cool with these characters from the season that I don't love. Sure. There was a lot of interesting aspects to it that, that season, but it wasn't something that I felt, like, really fired on all cylinders, you know? But then as I started building out the new symbol power and stuff like that, and then them standing up to Draken's forces, I was like, oh, no, these guys are these guys are really cool. What was great about that is I remember reading that, and the dialogue, I could hear them in my head as the actors. Even though they you know have a couple lines here and there, you got the voice right, which is important. Well, I appreciate that. I do think there's a lot of baggage that we as readers bring to Mm -hmm. something like this. So I actually think a lot of that is done subconsciously on readers. In our head. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because I don't know that there's anything that specific in any of the lines that I wrote, especially for the Samurai Rangers. But Mm -hmm. I don't know. Yeah, I guess that's (laughs) kind of all I'll say about it. I (laughs) I don't think there's anything like that specific that's unless it's a catchphrase or something that the show sure did that then you could point to in, in the book and be like that's exactly that's a tricky one <laughs> i feel like i'm digging myself a hole here <laughs> <laughs> but their intro was pretty bad it's like when lauren whipped out that symbol firepower oh the backburn or whatever it was yeah, yeah. backburn that was pretty sweet <laughs> yeah thanks man but daniele just killing it with shattered grid yeah that's the real unsung hero of this event is daniele and walter Mm -hmm. and then ed who does all our lettering (laughs) i've never met him i've never spoken with him but the man must have uh the patience of a saint (laughs) because 
the number of revisions that we have to do that then that he has to then do in lettering is like not normal for comics. Oh. So and letters don't get paid that much. I mean, none of us get paid that much, but letters mm-hmm. especially don't get paid that much. But he really makes it sing. And yeah, Danny, I couldn't imagine doing this book without Danielle and Walter. Yeah, because they. One of my big fears with this event was that no matter how hard I tried, I was never going to be able to service every character. And even the main characters that I'm focusing on, I wasn't going to be able to service them mm-hmm. to the degree that they really necessitate and deserve. And then much less when you get into like fights with multiple teams. That's one thing that live action does better than comics, which right. is for the same amount of space, you can do much more with quick cuts and showing multiple characters and giving people little moments. In comics, it's like, I can give a panel, you know? Mm-hmm. Your page real estate gets eaten up by action sequences so fast. So I was very, very worried about this. And fortunately, Daniele and Walter bring so much to the table, and they mm. do so much work in the backgrounds with additional characters. And, and you'll really notice it in issue 30, in this massive fight that Ooh. is about to drop. I think it's out, is it out next week, week after, something like that. Uh, next week. So it's like, it's right when Power Morphicon is happening. <laughs> oh, that's great. That's great. Yeah. So yeah, they really do a lot of heavy lifting to make everything pop. Yeah, for sure. It's just awesome. Their talent and the three of you working together. So AJ Scherer asked, did you ever imagine that you would end up directly meeting and working with Jason David Frank? Do you hope there will be more on screen Lord Draken? That would be awesome if there was more live action Lord Draken. I mean, that's certainly above my pay grade. Um, <laughs> so I don't know, but uh, it would be cool. It'd be really cool if I could do it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> I'll say that, you know. But, yeah, as far as getting to work with Jason, I'd met Jason before. I met him back in, like, 2012, I want to say, maybe 2013 at C2E2. Mm-hmm. And I was writing on the Batman books at the time, and, and Jason was just, he was just awesome. I just went up to him at the end of the show, and his line had shut down and everything. It was, like, I think it was on the last day. It was on a Sunday. And his handlers were like, oh, he's done for the day. I was like, oh, okay, cool. And I turned to leave, and, and he saw me. He's like, hey, what's up, man? Like, did you want to say hi or something? I was like, oh, yeah. And, you know, I shook his hand and I told him, you know, I write for Marvel and DC and everything else. He was like, oh, really? He's like, oh, yeah. I was like, yeah. I was like, I was a big fan as a kid and, and you were very much a, a huge part of my childhood and I, I wouldn't be doing this stuff today if not for Power Rangers. And, and he, you know, was very, very gracious and kind. Mm-hmm. And he didn't have to take that moment out of the end of his day to talk to some random person who would come up. But he's very, very good to his fans. Mm-hmm. And so I always, I remembered that and just, it was a a very positive experience. And then years later, at the time, Aaron Shanky and I were talking, Aaron is the dude who does all the Bat in the Sun stuff. Oh yeah. And I was a couple issues in on my run and Aaron was doing a little shoot up at a comic book store in California. And he's like, Hey, just come by, you can meet Jason. And I was like, well, I've, yeah, I'll pop by because I'm the one writing all the books at this point. And I, was, I figured, he's like, Jason's not going to remember that we met at C2E2. So, yeah, it'll be a cool chance to say hello. And so then Jason and I just started talking there and then kind of texting and whatnot mm-hmm. after that. So we had been in contact for like a couple years before the Shattered Grid short. So when he and I started talking about we should do something for Lord Draken, like he's the one that kept really kind of pushing, like, dude, we got to do something for Lord Draken. We should do something for Lord Draken. And then I had this idea and I was like, well, you know, (laughs) (laughs) Uh, 
tied to Shattered Grid coming out, I've got this crazy idea that I feel like not only it would show a different side of you as an actor than we've previously seen, mm-hmm. but would also utilize Power Rangers lore and footage in a way that is a celebration of 25 years as well as a promise of new directions to come. And he was all about it. So then we went through different channels and talked to Savan and, and got everything kind of shored up so we could make this. And it was great. It was a fantastic experience. So yeah, I guess that doesn't really answer your question if I ever, <laughs> if I ever thought. I, but it's not something, I don't know, I have a pretty big imagination, uh, <laughs> I yeah. guess. So it wasn't something that I thought out of the realm of possibility, um, sure. particularly after the stuff that I had directed um, mm-hmm. before taking on the Power Rangers book, and then meeting some of the different actors through the fact that I write the book. It was always something in the mind of like, oh, that it, it could be cool. We might be able to do something down the line, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, the Shared Grid short, no one saw that coming and then just totally yeah. blew up. <laughs> we kept it very secretive, and then we just wanted to just drop it on the world. And yeah, I mean, I was actually like, doing final color at midnight the night before we released it and then that's insane (laughs) my sound editor i was doing final color and i'd gotten the final effect shot in at midnight while we were in the color session and vfx company lead had to ftp the shot to us i then got the final colored version off to matt taylor who did all of our sound on it because some of the timings changed uh, mm-hmm. For like the helmet morph was the last shot because they were having a really hard time with his hair. There was just a lot that was problematic about the shot. And it was the helmet morph. And then the army at the end was giving their stuff trouble. So when we got the updated timings, I then sent it off to Matt Taylor so that he could get up first thing in the morning and tweak placement of a couple effects and just do one last notes correction to the mix and so he got me the mix at like 8.30 in the morning. I put it all together on my home system. I got it off to Saban for just so they could see the final version before I uploaded it. And then I uploaded it. And we just we put it on Jason's YouTube channel and just unleashed it on the world. It, it was cool to think like it was up by 11 a.m. And <laughs> it was literally we finished it two hours earlier. Wow. Actually, the night before was really, really cool. Now that I'm thinking about it, when my DP, Michael Nye, and I were leaving the color session, and I had the masters on a hard drive, and he and I were talking outside. Uh, Tashi True is our colorist outside of his house. And we were. it was like midnight. It was like dead silent in L.A., and it was like, we've got this thing that no one no one knows exists, <laughs> like sitting here on this hard drive. And we both knew, like, when we put it out into the world, it was going to be seen. And... Mm-hmm. We were really proud of it, and we hoped it would pop, but, you know, you don't, you never know for sure. Oh, sure. But it was a really cool feeling of, like, we know that tomorrow we're going to release this, but right now we're sitting on this thing that, like, is really cool that no one knows exists. <laughs> it's a pretty cool feeling. Watching the video as a fan and, and reacting with myself, I was like, this is awesome. The additional fun of being able to go though and find other YouTube people, see this video and react to it and go, what is this? I, I This is so yeah, that, unique. That was, people started sending me uh, reaction videos. I didn't even know yeah. that was a thing. <laughs> Oh yeah! (laughs) Oh, it's pretty cool. I have to admit, it's pretty cool to see. Like it, that makes it all worth it. Like just to Mm -hmm. see people's faces when it's like, oh my god! Like 
it's 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 him. It's JDF. And then oh, he's evil. Like what is this? You know? Like, yeah. That's, that's pretty neat. It's pretty neat. And Ron Wasserman did an oh. incredible job uh, coming back to do the music and the whole thing. You know that uh, Amy Joe Johnson re-recorded her line for us yeah when i listened to the ranger danger about that and yeah uh, i heard that and i was like how freaking awesome and, and that was at lexcon no she didn't no? do it there i met her there oh um, right 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 jdf recorded lines in lines with <laughs> me in the locker room for the kentucky basketball team <laughs> In the stadium, we're like alone in a locker room with a cop and just recording his lines on a, a cleaner mic setup that I brought with me. Mm-hmm. But Amy did hers into her iPhone, into a recording app. Oh, wow. And then we did a little pitch shift on it. And because it was supposed to be effective, I used to be, I used, actually used to be a sound editor before I was writing full time. I worked at Sound Deluxe and Hollywood Edge doing sound effects editing. And then actually I cut on a movie there and I was kind of heading down this whole other path. Mm-hmm. in production because i've been in post for since i was 16 years old and it was like this isn't what i want to do though and so i basically quit this whole other career to go write batman so i knew even though i wasn't going to do the sound on this myself i yeah. knew enough to hear what she did and go like oh it's gonna work yeah it'll totally work like we can pitch it up and just even though it's the fidelity wasn't amazing because it was supposed to be hologram sound sure we could verb it out and it would sell, and, and it did. I think it works really well. Yeah, it did, and it's so seamless in that moment because it's like, wait, but wasn't there like a shit ton of music and sound effects she was saying that? And that, that's why you had to do it, right? Yeah, yeah, not to get too down the rabbit hole on it. Sure. I don't want to bore people listening to this, but essentially the big fundamental problem with doing a short film like this that utilized old footage was that Melissa Flores was at Saban was fantastic about getting me whatever footage I needed from old seasons of the show, but they had archived split track audio. So they sent oh, nice. over the clips that I needed that, again, Michael Sudel helped me figure out mm-hmm. what are lines from different seasons that are the most evocative and play off the imagery. And we did it at script stage. And then he went through and found the time codes from Netflix uh, mm. episodes so then I could then we then I created the, the document listing the specific lines and it had enough on the head and tail of each line, and those six or seven lines were our hero lines, and then we found clips for the rest of it as well. But those six, those first six, right. were the most important because the audio needed to be clean. So what that means is that when they archive a, an episode, they mm-hmm. typically archive it with what are called stems. So your dialogue, your music, and your effects are all on different tracks and you can solo those and they'll be fine they'll just be isos isolations Mm -hmm. right but when you play them all together the summation is the same as the final mix okay right so that's why that's how you're able to do overdubs for foreign languages stuff like that well the way that all of the old seasons were archived for whatever reason at least what they still had what they had access to anyway Mm -hmm. were not dialogue music and effect splits but the final mix of the show on tracks one and two and then track three was like a mono mix of just effects and track four was just a mono mix of just music and unfortunately they weren't summations which means that like if you isoed one there wasn't verb the same amount of reverb on it as it was in the final mix 
so it turned into this little bit of a nightmare of like, well, how do we actually ISO this, the dialogue? Mm-hmm. And so Matt Taylor did an incredible job of combining, basically included like a lot of noise reduction mm-hmm. and then gating, hard gating. But the other aspect was using that music mono summation to like cancel out, right? He phase shifted it. That's the same principle that noise canceling headphones work on. Noise canceling headphones work because they're actually little microphones that are picking up mm-hmm. your surrounding noise. And then within milliseconds, creating an inverse of that noise that's Mm. out of phase. And then the phase cancels each. It goes out of phase and they cancel the sound out. So it's the same kind of effect. The problem is, like, if it's not the exact same sound, it won't truly cancel out. So, like, mono music is going to have a different quality than the same music in stereo. And the reverb is going to be different. So it it wouldn't be a perfect thing. So Matt just did what I consider wizardry um, (laughs) to make this work. And then Ron's score covered up the rest of it. And it just was this real delicate tightrope walk that we were doing to pull it off. That's incredible. Yeah, we've done a couple crossovers here on Ranger Command where we're doing effects and stuff. So I'm not professional level on that means, but I know the kind of like craziness that one would have to go through to do that so that that's incredible yeah i'm just happy i'm just happy at all it yeah. all came together <laughs> going back to the comic zachary shiloh at zach shy 130 on twitter he wanted to know early on in the series what inspired you to have the rangers share the green ranger power briefly oh so yeah that well that was in my original pitch because i wanted something to really symbolize tommy's arc that went from selfish to selfless Mm. and early on it's tommy going stay out of my way i can handle this and it's coming from a place of insecurity right and trying Mm -hmm. to prove himself not only to the other members of the team but to himself and then by the end of issue, what, what issue is that? Six, seven, somewhere in there. Right. Tommy is now going, hey, you guys together can do this better than I can alone. And so it's Tommy giving up his powers mm-hmm. so everyone else can have theirs is a really nice selfless uh, sacrifice. Yeah. And to me, that's the moment when he fully joins the team. Mm. So that's where that comes from zach shiloh also want to know how did the creation of the 1960s rangers come about so that one came actually from a conversation that i had with daphna alex gaylor and matt levine and it was a we were looking for stuff to do was it it was stuff that would build into shattered grid and i had all the mm-hmm. stuff with grace planned and promethea and then it was a daphna alex and matt idea that like the moon landing oh 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 i remember sorry so what happened ryan parrot pitched this story for issue two of go go or maybe it was even issue one that involved what happened to the astronauts that's right that opened rita's dumpster yeah because they go on the moon to save them Yep. So Ryan pitched that, and then internally, Alex, Matt, and Daphne were talking about it, going, well, what happened when we went to the moon in the 60s? <laughs> and then that turned into this conversation about, like, could there have been a secret Ranger team, like a Rogue One-style story involving Rangers of the 1960s? And I went, well, 
this whole arc that I'm doing with Grace and Promethea is designed to be about the relationship between Grace and Jason and look at leadership, aspects of mm. leadership. I said, so why don't we make Grace the Red Ranger of 1969? And Daphna loved that. And then it just all started building on itself from there. And then I knew I was going to have a villain be either woken up or be sent to... Yeah, it was a villain that had crashed on the moon, be woken up, woke up as a result of the moon landing mm-hmm. taking place. And that villain was going to go try to open Rita's dumpster. And that was actually... The inclusion of Psycho Green, that was a Saban-esque, actually. Okay. And I know they wanted to make a, a toy out of Psycho Green. <laughs> And so they had asked, like, hey, would you guys, could you guys introduce this character? Would you want to introduce this character into the book? And as the villain in the 1969 story, and I was like, yeah, it's fine. I don't care. Sure. (laughs) You know, like, I was going to create something else um, instead. Mm -hmm. But, like, I didn't have any, at that point, especially, like, I didn't have any affinity over, like, I don't care about the Psycho Rangers, Mm -hmm. you know? So I was like, oh, there wasn't a green Psycho Ranger? Okay. (laughs) (laughs) This is before I really was, like, doing Shattered Grid. Yeah. I hadn't dived in fully into that stuff yet. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, yeah, that's fine. So I built him out to be Dark Specter's, like, right-hand person. And then for, like, half a second, (laughs) I considered Psycho Green coin being the same coin that was tommy's dragon coin oh but i didn't want to make the world that small and that sure. tight i didn't mm. i didn't want to so i don't think i even i don't know that I, I i know i talked to daphna about it but we never actually pitched that we never actually presented that to like saban or anybody oh, okay mm-hmm. but if, for half a second i considered it yeah oh, okay kind of talking about you know requests by saban and things like that mm-hmm. um jacob phlegm at phantom toku wanted to ask so the big group shot at the end of issue 29, where we've got the Beast Morpher team and the Hyperforce team, was mm-hmm. that something that you wanted, or was that a request by Saban? Uh, somebody else asked me that, too. Why? I don't... Where is that coming from? Yeah, I mean, it was... That was me. <laughs> yeah, really. yeah, I mean, the quick genesis on it is that there was a conversation about one component of that. So I was doing the Shattered Grid short, and I had a call with Melissa about the short, and while she had just finished doing an episode of hyperforce and i didn't even i didn't know what that was Mm -hmm. and so she was like if there's any chance you could include them in the book i know fans would really get a kick out of that and i was like okay i mean i'm gonna do this thing in the end where i bring in a bunch of rangers for support so like i'm sure i could probably work them in there she's like yeah just just an appearance like fans would really appreciate it I was like, yeah, sure. And then as I learned more about Hyperforce and the episodes and I worked with Zach to mm-hmm. help shape the narrative for those episodes, I was like, oh, yeah, okay, I get it. I can totally work them in for sure. So when I wrote that splash page, I texted her and I said, hey, I've got the Hyperforce Rangers in there. And she's like, you know, great. Uh, she asked me to include Hyperforce Green, which we then did. Mm-hmm. And then and I figured it was going to be a hard no, but what the hell, I'll give it a shot. I said, would you guys be cool with us including the Beast Morphers? And she said, hmm, I don't know, I have to check. And she checked, and they said, yeah, go for it. <laughs> <laughs> so it was it was super simple. And then the the other, the Dark Ranger, or whatever he's called. Yeah, um, all the way in the back, like, hey guys, I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that one we added in like very late in the game. Mm. After the splash was already done, we added that one in. 
Daniele added it in to set up Marguerite's run. Very nice. Mm -hmm. Was that like a week or two before that went to print? Like how how tight? Well, all these things are pretty tight. Okay. Like that's just monthly comics. Like it's all pretty tight. Like the finale one shot, I just did a round of corrections on it and I, we haven't, I don't think we've gotten Saban notes on the PDF yet. And it's going to the printer like this week. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) So they're turnarounds. They have to be, you know? Yeah. And and typically we have been racing, I keep saying Saban, but I guess it's Hasbro now, isn't it? But yeah, typically we get them PDFs or scripts or whatever they may be reviewing. We try to get it to them with and give them like a week or two weeks to sit with it, mm-hmm. which means we have to get it done, you know, fast, which is hard, but that's just kind of the, the nature of the process. Oh, sure. One question, because I know a lot of people did like the 2017 movie ken glenn asked Mm -hmm. since you are a fan of the original series what did you think of the 2017 movie if you saw it and was the reason that you don't see them in shatter grid is that because of licensing with lionsgate no (laughs) no there's one of the things i've been really intrigued by from just my brief glimpse of it of the fandom while i've been on this book is like I, i feel like like narratives are are very quickly built uh like why things don't happen or why things do happen mm-hmm. and so like th- i guess that that doesn't surprise me that that would be well lionsgate wouldn't let you use those characters therefore they're not in shattered grid like that's totally not the case <laughs> like i just i didn't want to use them so oh sure i never i never even asked to me there were two reasons for it the first is that the whole point of doing the 2017 movie was to break away from everything that had come before and to do their own version that was its own world and its own new take on Power Rangers Mm -hmm. to then bring them into a very continuity laden and heavy story felt like it defeated the whole purpose of why the movie was made in the first place. Sure. And the second reason is because I just don't like mixing mediums like that. Like Mm -hmm. I'm pulling from one kind of tapestry multiverse mm-hmm. which is of the show and the movie is a different medium different format like i just didn't mm-hmm. i don't know it just I, it just didn't work for me and for the same reason i didn't want to use i know people that I've, I've been asked about like uh the meower rangers the cat <laughs> oh, rangers God. which i didn't even know were a thing please uh, please keep them as far far away from this thing as possible <laughs> please for the love of sanity but yeah, like I just my my storytelling instincts tend to lean or not even instincts, but my sensibility tends to lean mm-hmm. more towards taking something seriously and building a really compelling narrative from mm-hmm. the material. I don't know, doing something like introducing like YouTube cat rangers <laughs> is not like that's a fun like oh isn't that cute but it doesn't work with my sensibility it's gimmicky yeah like i know dan slot did a really cool big spider island is that what it was event or spider verse or or something where it was like he had spider ham and he had all these crazy characters Mm -hmm. that are like and he really embraced that like wonkiness but that's not really what i wanted to do with shattered red and i am thankful for that i'm sure many fans are as well (laughs) We kind of want to switch gears a little bit here and, and talk about the future. And our good friend Steffi at Sapphire Steffi Five asked, "How does it feel to know that Power Rangers fans five, ten, twenty years from now will be speaking your name as part of the Power Rangers legacy? 
what do you hope that they remember most about your work on these comics? Mm. And she says, congrats again on all the success. Oh, that's really sweet of her. I don't know. Will they? I I don't know that that's... I have no gauge of that. I I don't know. I'm just telling a story, you know? Like, I'm just working with tears and telling a story. Like, I don't really know that it's going to resonate within that world, um, hmm. I don't know what I mean. What do you guys? You're you're much more involved or, or connected. <laughs> I, to... I mean, speaking as a lifelong fan, like Shattered Grid is definitely one of those stories that people are going to be talking about in league with Green with Evil, in league with you know these these classic huge multi part stories that have just become so much a part of the lore and a, and a part of the fandom. That, yeah, I, I think people are absolutely going to be talking about your work. Yeah, yeah, it's weird because coming from comics, like, mm-hmm. even a really solid-selling book doesn't reach the number of people that a show does. Sure. It's not even close. So there are a ton of people who have not read these comics that mm-hmm. are Power Rangers fans. I'm sure of it. So, yeah, I feel like the numbers that the show pulls in probably dwarf what we sell a month right. by a lot. So I don't know that it will really have that kind of resonant effect that would be awesome to see, or not even effect, impact. I will say this, though. One of the really, really cool things about doing this book that I'm very grateful for, I didn't really understand it for quite a while. This is essentially a licensed comic book. Right. This is a, you know, Boom Studios has the license to do Power Rangers comic books. Saban, or now Hasbro, has approval on everything as the licensor would. Typically with licensed comics, now I've never done a licensed comic before, this, mm-hmm. although you could make a, an argument that all Marvel and DC books are licensed comics, but that's a, <laughs> it's a whole other conversation. But typically with a licensed book, and when I say licensed, I mean like, you know, from an existing property... Sure. It's now being interpreted as a comic. The licensor doesn't take the book that seriously. It's kind of like an it's an EU, right? Like it's an extended universe, it's mm-hmm. a it's a what if, it's a it's a whatever. But like as you saw when Star Wars was acquired by Disney, they wiped out the EU, you know? Mm-hmm. This book has not been that whatsoever. From very early on, Savan wanted especially once they saw what the reaction was to the initial orders or Mm. what the reaction was via the initial order numbers. And then also narratively what we were looking to do and the quality of the book that we were put together. And that is a massive testament to to Daphna Plevin, our editor on all of this. They embraced what we wanted to do and they wanted the book to very much be a part of the Power Rangers legacy Mm-hmm. and canon and with that comes a level of you know notes and revisions and things like that sure that can be a lot of work i'm not gonna lie but we have this added perk and benefit of doing work that matters within the property mm-hmm. that's really really cool you know yeah like i said i've never done a licensed book before but i know plenty of people who do and their stuff doesn't even register to the people who own the underlying material that's not the case here. I think everyone at Saban now Hasbro is, is very proud of the work that Daphna, myself, Daniele, Walter, Jonas, Hendry before that mm-hmm. have, have done on, on this, uh, this franchise. And so I guess what I would say is like, it's cool. I don't know what the fan reaction is 
down the line or, or anything like that. But it is cool that the people who steer the Power Rangers ship really respect what I do. And that's a really nice feeling. Yeah. And like we talked about before, Kyle, like I've told you before, this event feels like something that the fans, at least me, have been craving for in the television series and never really got. Yeah, well, I mean, it's also built for a different age range, for a different yeah. audience. And, like, I don't work on the show. Like, I have no idea what the parameters are on a show like that. I, I wouldn't even have the first mm -hmm. guess. I just know that on the book, we, and by we, I mean myself, Daphne, everyone at Boom, and then Brian Cassantini and, and Melissa Flores all embrace telling a more kind of, I don't want to say sophisticated or mature, but like something that's, that's totally different right. from the show. And it's just more the sensibility of what I write, the type of stuff that I write. And they embraced it wholeheartedly. So like I said, it's really cool to have that level of support and enthusiasm. Speaking a little bit of the TV series, uh, Pal at Paladin4221 said, if the opportunity ever presented itself, would you write for the TV series? Uh, probably not. To be totally honest. Sure. I'm trying to direct more. So I definitely have interest in live action. I mean, that's my passion. But that's running for the show is such a, as an outsider, it feels to me like such a very different set of muscles, of storytelling muscles mm -hmm. that are so dependent on making, it's almost like solving a puzzle each right. episode. How do I make this footage that I have work for a third of my story? You know, mm -hmm. I don't know that I would really enjoy it, much less be very good at it. But maybe I, I don't know. I've never like I said, I've never I've never done it. But it's also I just don't think tonally the show is where my sensibilities really lie. But having said that, I've never been asked, so I can't say definitively <laughs> what my answer would be, you know. But my hunch would be that it, it probably wouldn't be the right fit. Totally understandable. But if you did have a new story idea for the comic, would you be open to return? Yeah, yeah, depending on the situation. Yeah, sure. There are a lot of variables in something like that. But yeah, depending on the situation, I, I would I would be open to doing more. To be honest, I'm just really burnt out right now. Like, <laughs> I, oh my God. <laughs> like between Shattered Grid and Soul of the Dragon, oh they, they kind of broke. They kind of broke me. Uh, <laughs> so taking a step back, taking a little step back, is not a bad thing at all. Both from a level of uh, objectivity as well as uh, just my own kind of mental sanity. And then, you know, assess from there, I guess. Sure. I've got a new book coming up that's going to be announced next month, I want to say, probably in oh. September, that I'm really, really excited about. It has nothing to do with Power Rangers. <laughs> uh, and so that's really like my focus right now. And then we just took a, a script out, a feature script out that I wrote that's based on the Shadow Hours short film. And so I'm trying to get that made. We'll be my first feature as a director. And then nice. I have a couple other live action properties that I'm, or projects that I'm in talks on, both for writing and directing. So, like I said, putting a lot of focus there, and we'll just see what comes up uh, on yep. the Ranger front if that's a thing that develops. It may, it may not. I mean, you know, I don't know. But yeah, if I, if I had a story, um, I'd be open to it. And yeah, and also you have uh, the Dead Hand, which number yeah, five comes yeah. out this Wednesday. Yeah. I'm, I'm literally putting the finishing touches on the, the last issue right now. Cause it's got to go to the printer next week, I think. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, definitely Power Rangers is not the only uh, tight deadline. <laughs> no, no. I mean, I like to joke a lot that there's no money in comics, um, but there really is no money in comics. <laughs> <laughs> so as a writer, you're juggling multiple things all the time. Yeah. And honestly, my dream, my dream is to get to the point where I only have to focus on one story and that's mm. it. Whether it's a film I'm directing or a show I'm writing. So, you know what? I <laughs> I will I will uh, adjust my answer. If I was asked to write on the show and it paid me uh, enough money where I didn't have to do anything else, I would definitely consider it. Because <laughs> <laughs> creatively, switching back and forth between multiple books, is mm-hmm. it's just brutal on my on my psyche. One more question about the comic from our yeah. mu- our mutual friend uh, Chris at Toku Chris. <laughs> Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he said, why did you scrap the idea of the Zeo Gold Ranger saving the whole of reality from Draken? Or maybe you didn't, and you all are just doing a great job at hiding the truth. Yeah, that's it. Woo! <laughs> well, I mean, you haven't seen issue 30 or the finale one-shot yet, so... Oh. You don't know. Yeah, and I I think uh, people are thinking, yeah, this is the last month of Shattered Grid. But the one-shot finale is like a double issue, right? Yeah, I mean... (laughs) This is insane. What what we what we did here is insane. We have, and I don't know why we did it this way, to be honest. And I've asked, and I, and I can't, haven't really gotten an answer. We have issue thirty coming out next week. Is that right? Yeah, I believe so. Yeah, we have issue thirty coming out next week, and then we have a forty-page oh finale, God. which is double-sized forty-page finale one-shot that comes out two weeks later that's insane so it's really three issues worth of material that come out in this month of august to conclude shattered grid on top of issue 12 of gogo that came out last week right yeah no it's insane yeah it's, it's insane it's crazy and then soul the dragon for the printer right after that wow this is why i'm burnt out right like, no wonder you need a break <laughs> yeah 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 Moving on to some upcoming conventions, obviously the reason that we wanted you on the show was before Power Morphicon. So are there any Power Morphicon plans that you can talk about? Uh, There are, but I can't talk about them yet. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) But they're going to be cool. There's one in particular that's going to be really cool. Okay. So All right. keep your ears uh, open up there, Ranger Nation. There's going to be something cool coming from Kyle. Yeah, yeah. If you like the book, you will like this thing that has not been announced yet. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and then one last thing about uh, Soul of the mm-hmm. Dragon. Zach Shiloh actually wanted to know if there was possibly going to be a Soul of the Dragon panel at New York Comic Con. Oh, uh, maybe. I don't know. I'm going to be at New York Comic Con. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if I'm doing, if we have a Power Rangers panel or not. Yeah, I'm not sure. Okay. When's it out? It's out in October? or, or, or I thought they said out? December. Is it December? Yeah. I don't know. Maybe. I just, <laughs> I just, I just turn in pages when Daphne <laughs> tells me to. <laughs> it's a cool book. It, it's a cool book. It's shaped up really well. How many pages is that? Uh, it's 90. Holy cow. Okay. 90 page OGN. Yeah, it's really cool. It, it celebrates not only the legacy of Power Rangers, but um, the legacy of 
Tommy Oliver in, in a pretty, I think, uh, interesting way. I saw a mention of SPD in that press release, and I was like, okay, I'm on board. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, it's in the future, but it's mm-hmm. in the future of the show. So it's in, I don't remember what year we set it in, but it's in a year when SPD was established in the show as mm-hmm. existing. I'm down for it. <laughs> the, the quickest way to Eric Mine's heart is mentioning SPD, and we're there. <laughs> for sure. That's why Kruger is just, Shadow Ranger is like my all-time favorite Ranger. And the fact that he's such a big part of Shattered Grid mm-hmm. is just freaking awesome to me. Like, I, I love it. I love it. Oh, good. Yeah, he was a he was a fun one to write. Any other uh, upcoming uh, appearances at any shows that you want to talk about? Well, I was supposed to do Boston this weekend, but I had to cancel, fortunately. Um, so I won't be in Boston. But then I'm doing Power Morphicon, and then two or three weeks after that, I'm doing uh, Toronto Fan Expo. So I'll be in mm-hmm. Toronto, and then New York Comic Con in October, and then I think that's it for this year there was talk about me going out for ranger stop Mm -hmm. but i don't know what happened there i'm not sure i might owe them email back i don't know that i'm doing that one uh anymore but i will it reminds me that i need to check in on it i just want to say it's been great having kyle on the show and i i look forward to to hanging out with him at paramorphicon and just man the work you guys would have put in on shattered grid and the comics it's wonderful And, and i know that it's definitely one of the stories that the fandom talks about for a while. Yeah, I, like I said, I, I have no gauge on that stuff. I think you'll get a pretty good gauge at PMC. Yeah, for you sure. Think so? Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. if you don't have a line out the door, the fandom's doing it wrong. <laughs> yeah, I, I honestly don't. I honestly don't know. Like, I mean, you can probably hear it in my voice. I'm just, I'm very tired. Uh, so, oh. <laughs> like, for the last however many months, just been like being just buckled down and building the story and trying to juggle feelings of expectations and trying to do pull something like this off. And yeah, I I don't know. Like it's just as a writer, you're just vacillating between insecurity and more insecurity (laughs) all the time. I tend to take, I guess, more of a kind of realistic or cynical uh, look on stuff. And as far as like the reach that anything I write, has you know Mm -hmm. so i don't know i mean i hope people have dug it and i'm just i'm proud to have been able to be a part of it and and to build this and if it resonates for fans then that's that's awesome i don't even know what to expect at power morphicon (laughs) as far as it's gonna be nuts it's gonna be (laughs) pandalarium it's gonna be huge i mean it's so huge that they had to move it to Anaheim this year. So that already tells me that like they're they're going to be expecting a pretty huge crowd. Wow. I did it for a day two years ago, mm-hmm. uh, and it was cool in Pasadena. But, I mean, I really get a good sense or glimpse of everything, I guess. Yeah. So, and this time especially, there's way more comics out now, two years later. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> well, I just want to say, getting able to talk with you and then following the comic since its release, I had taken quite uh, many years break from collecting comics and mm-hmm. this power Rangers comic got back into going into my comic book shop regularly to the point where my comic book guy is saving me variants of these power Rangers because I'm quote the power Rangers guy. Oh, that's awesome. So I just want to thank you that you're here on the show and just thank you for creating such a great story for almost three years and you definitely deserve a break. I, I mean, you've been busting your ass on this book, and I think it shows. 
Oh, thank you. That that means a lot. And yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing you guys at uh, the convention. And the finale one shot won't be out yet, but uh, right. issue thirty ends in such a way that there will be a lot of conversation uh, <laughs> at my table about it. <laughs> had to come. Well, great. So, where can fans find you online? Twitter and Instagram are probably the the best spots at Kyle D Higgins. Although I'm kind of taking a a little break from social media for the most part. Um, sure. So I'm not really that active right now. But yeah, Twitter. Twitter's probably the best. Kyle D. Higgins. Cool. Kyle, thank you so much for being on the show. I know we've been talking about it for a while, and I just really appreciate you taking the time to come on the show and do this. Yeah, my pleasure. Thanks for having me. And we'll have to, I don't know, maybe we'll do it again down the line. Yeah, definitely. One day. Yes. <laughs> Soul of the Dragon. <laughs> oh, hey, there you go. Yep. But I do want to put in a little plug for the guys at Ranger Danger because the boom rooms that you guys do, it's almost like this commentary track for the comic. And I think it's a really cool thing that, that you set up with them. Yeah, they are awesome. They're actually in my apartment right now. Right. Uh, <laughs> they're, they're staying with me in L.A. until uh, Power Morphicon. So we're hanging out and working on some cool secret project stuff and recording episodes randomly. Uh, when we <laughs> when we have time, uh, we actually recorded. They showed me uh, some Sentai because I've never seen Sentai oh, before. So they showed me the first episode of uh, Jew Ranger, and then we recorded an immediate like aftermath <laughs> podcast because I needed to talk about what I had just seen. Um, so we've been doing some of that, which has been fun. Uh, tonight we're going to the Magic Castle, which. I keep trying oh, to convince yeah. them that it's actually called the Wizard Hut. Um, <laughs> <laughs> haven't gotten it to catch on quite yet. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, th- those guys are awesome. And so yeah. anyone who has enjoyed this podcast, I highly recommend checking out the Ranger Danger podcast. I think they're on Twitter at Ranger Decast. Yes. And then we've done a podcast for every issue of the comic for almost three years now. Yeah, like I said, it's really awesome. So, yeah, I I didn't want to steal any of their thunder by doing this podcast, but <laughs> but thank you just so much for being on the show. Yeah, of course, man. All right, I will talk to you in a week or two. All right, we'll see you there. <laughs> All right, take care. See ya. See you later, Kyle. I told Zach what the thing was, if if that was okay. Oh, that's fine. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and trust me when I say the fandom is going to go ape. So Ranger Nation, let us know what you think. If you have questions, email us at rangercommandpowerhour at gmail.com or check us out at rangercommand.com. We're on Twitter at rangercommandph, Facebook and Instagram, rangercommandpowerhour, all one word. And once again, a big thanks to Kyle Higgins for joining us on the show today. Definitely follow him at Kyle D. Higgins on Twitter and Instagram to stay up to date with future comics, future projects that he's involved in. Go check him out at PMC if you're going to be there. Get some autographs. Talk to him. He's a genuinely sweet, down-to-earth dude. And I can't wait to see him at Paramorphicon. It's going to be fantastic. So thank you, everyone, for listening. And we'll catch you later. You've been listening to the Ranger Command Power Hour, only on the Four-Eyed Radio Network. You can catch a new episode every other Saturday. Find us on the Morphing Grid at www.rangercommand.com Follow us on Twitter at rangercommandph and like us on facebook.com 
slash Ranger Command Power Hour. This is Trucky B47 from the Ranger Command Power Hour, and you are listening to the Four Eyed Radio Network. Ranger Command is now on Patreon. Become a patron by pledging as much or as little as you like every month and receive cool perks. By pledging, you are helping us make our show even better. Go to patreon.com slash rangercommandph to learn more. Thanks 